0: Hey y'all, Lily here, with another content warning on this week's episode, as it contains discussion regarding the familial abuse subplot of the Mayuri episode, as well as a brief mention of self-harm. As usual, timestamps will be in the description. Stay safe, enjoy the episode.
1: (laughs) Sure that
0: Um oh man. So yeah, I have mostly just been uh I mean I started Yu-Gi-Oh, know, I got that chessboard and I lost a lot last night. Uh I was very sad. I I was making a lot of stupid decisions. Yeah, I did see that my pick. I don't like it.
2: No. I refuse. I, I mean I saw it, but also I refuse. It's bad. I don't wanna see Vision and Mayri. The show's going to give me that in a couple of years. I don't wanna see that. <laughs> God
0: We're gonna have to talk about his gross weird mohawk, aren't we?
2: No. We're just okay. not gonna mention it.
0: <laughs> okay, thank God. Cause it's like there for five seconds and I'm like, oh I don't wanna see that. This feels perverse. This feels gross. I, I'm honestly like trying so hard to just like even start talking about these episodes. Uh how's it going? We okay, we collectively I don't think liked these episodes. Am, am I am I correct in that assumption?
2: I think that's pretty correct. Uh step one probably should be intri- if we're going to start really talking about the episodes, step one should probably be introducing the show and ourselves.
0: Oh, I, I know how to introduce it. I just like talking beforehand. Oh, okay. But...
2: I wasn't sure if you were going into, like, talking about the show or not.
0: Oh, I mean, we don't have to talk
2: about the show. We, 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 we don't have a podcast about that or anything, right? Sometimes an episode can be lost to the sands of time, and we accidentally skip it for a week. <laughs> <laughs> and we tell the world, sorry, everyone. It's It looks like our recording's all fucked up. <laughs> yeah see you next week <laughs> we just
0: we just tell the fans hey uh we we lost to this one guys uh no no recording no re-recording session we're
2: just you know it's fine it oh, oh, beans <laughs> oh beans it looks like all of our all of our audio was irrevocably tampered with.
0: <laughs> somehow my recording just—it oh, sounded like this. We uh, we uh, recorded the whole episode, and it just sounds like this. And I just I just don't feel happy about uh, releasing that. Uh, so uh, sorry, guys. I, uh, the podcast canceled.
2: God, <laughs> it's tempting.
0: Oh, god. I'm I'm just having flashbacks to when we were doing Bleach Done Quick and we got to the con episode and you're just like, oh, this one's redacted. <laughs> oh man. Okay, I guess It was a it was a good decision, admit. It was a great decision. Oh god. Uh I guess I should introduce the show. You're you're listening to It'll Wash Out a Bleach Rewatch podcast. I'm your co-host Lily. I'm your co-host Sam. I'm your co-host Ghost Lynn. We're in. Um, so I, I did bring this up, but I don't think that's gonna make it into the podcast because I don't know what the hell we've been talking about the past five, ten minutes. Um
2: we didn't like these episodes. Not a fan. like, there are things that I do really, really like about these episodes, and those specific things when I was thinking back on the season before starting it are some of the things that I remember really liking about the show. Uh, Unfortunately, they're all tied up or, like, placed right next to things that I really, really did not like. Yeah,
0: I... I'm, like, really scared that, like, these episodes and, like, last week's episodes are really setting the tone for, you know, season three as a whole. And I'm really scared that we're going to be, like, overall disappointed. Because it it feels like... uh, it, It... Lynn's telling me not to jinx it. Um, it, it really feels like so much of what we've been enjoying about the show has been thus far kinda of like squandered in a way. Like, there there are things I like specifically, like, I think really I was very, very negative on my episode this week. But like, the second episode we cover, which is 45, I believe, there there are bits and pieces I do like that are just surrounded by things I really don't like. And uh I I I'm going to record like a content warning uh before like in editing I'm going to record a more specific content warning, but I do feel the need to mention before we get into this that we are probably going to be discussing the familial abuse plotline and there may be a self-harm mention as well uh, in the manga, and I, I think we should go ahead and mention that pretty upfront because, uh, we are finishing the Mayuri fight, uh, first.
2: Yeah, and again, if any listener is like, hey, these episodes, not great, don't want to listen to it, don't want to listen to their content, feel free to skip to, like, the next week's episode, it's fine. Like, we'll catch you next week. Yeah, like,
0: I, I personally will never be upset at anyone for, like, deciding hey, I can't handle this week's episode. Like, that's fine. We agreed when we started the show to talk about things and to try and do our best about it, and I, I'm going to uphold that. I, I think that this content... This storyline, I think, is worth talking about and dissecting why it doesn't work. We will... We'll, we'll figure it out as we go, unfortunately. Should we just jump into the episode, or do we want to, like, avoid it for as long as possible?
2: I think we should try to get through with it as fast as we can. (laughs)
0: Let's do it. Episode 44, Ishida, The Utmost Limits of Power. Uh, So, I I do want to mention, before I start this episode, I don't cover a lot of the fight that goes on, because interspersed throughout the entire episode is, essentially, it's fight, and then it goes into, like, flashback scenes, so I I try mostly to just, like, cover what's important to the plot, and if the fight is important for a second, I do that. The funny thing is, it's
2: not important for all that much of the episode. Well, like, the thing is, like, most shounen... There are fights, and a lot of shonen shows have, like, the plot be part of the fight. Like, how the fight goes on is very important to the plot. Bleach is very rarely that kind of show. Like, the fights are more... Th- the fights are important, but it's not like... The manner in which the fight happens doesn't tend to be important. Except for the really big knockout moments, and... Yeah. There, there just aren't really any of them in this fight. Like the Like, the... Most of this fight can basically be summed up as the fight happens, and like one side ha- is uh, doing better, and that's kind of it. And like everything else can kind of just... it doesn't have any like real effect on the plot. It's fine.
0: So I'm going to go ahead and start with the summary. We continue the battle between Uryu and 12th Division Captain Mayuri, as the former asks if Mayuri wishes to know the name of Soken's Apprentice. Here you immobilized until now begins to stand while Mairi observes that he is using a Quincy technique known as Ranshiten which works by bundling spiritual energy into strings to forcibly move body parts as if by puppet strings.
2: This is really creepy. I do like it. It's really creepy, and also, and I think that like this is canonically the way, or this is the way that the extended Star Wars universe had explained why. Um, Yoda in the prequels flips everywhere, it's because he does this with the Force. So, you know, Ishida's a Jedi. That's actually amazing, I didn't know that! <laughs> oh my god. But it is like, a, it's a real like, oh yeah, they're normal human beings, they aren't spirit creatures, so of course at a certain point they won't be able to keep fighting these, these monsters and like really crazy uh, creatures so they're like yeah even if my bro even if my bones are broken or my joints won't move i can just puppeteer myself like like a really weird dude (laughs) it's creepy
0: and i i I really do like this i will yes yoda does do backflips lynn (laughs) this happens so much in the prequels and in the clone wars i'm pretty sure uh so this is supposedly the ultimate technique of the Quincy. And of all the 2,661 Quincy's that Mayuri studied, none could have used this technique. The fact that Urdu can leads him to call the young Quincy a genius, until Urdu claims that it's actually not a genius thing, and it's not a defensive technique, nor a way to prolong his life. He explicitly claims it's an expression of his will to fight until he can avenge his master.
2: Yeah, he's like, I don't care for the label that you're using uh just let just let it be known i'm going to wreck your shit uryu's angry I, like real angry <laughs> it, it
0: makes sense why is angry uh i and to be fair i'm angry for him i i i'm angry for uryu at this point mairi takes back his previous comment calling uryu a brat and from this point we get a series of flashbacks interspersed throughout the battle The first of which involves his father telling a young Uryu to stop visiting Soken, as he was told before. Ryuken states it's pointless to save the dead, as that's a soul reaper's job, and that Uryu should focus on saving the living. He then goes on to tell Uryu that he has no talent for being a Quincy, that they will die out with Soken's generation. Uryu asks why Ryuken hates Quincy's, and Ryuken responds by claiming that they simply don't make money. So we can agree that Uta's dad's a piece of shit here, right?
2: He is a piece of shit, but I do really love this scene. <laughs> like you too. I, I love the way that they're setting up because, like, so Ishida's family is a uh, hugely influential in uh, when it comes to like a local hospital. That's a, like that's something that I think we've learned before, and like Ryukin's uh, attitude is it's a relatively common one of like, hey. This thing that you're doing, you're not even good at it. Do something that like I'll help you pay the bills, like being a doctor, and it's like it's a really shitty attitude, but it's also like a thing. Like it's a very common viewpoint that we see, uh, just like in society at large. And I'm kind of glad to see uh, this kind of conflict, like this kind of it, it's like a. It's a conflict that, like, I've seen, and I know people who have lived through this, and it's kind of cool to, like, see it on screen.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I I don't... Uh, of the parts of this episode I don't like, this is not, like, really one of them. I, I thought this was fine. I wasn't, like, all that invested, per se, in this drama, but I, like... Again, of the parts of this episode I did not like, this was not really one of them, I, I just thought this was fine. So, after that, we cut to a conversation between Uryu and Soken, who says that Ryuken is right and that Quincy's simply don't make much money. People have families to support, after all. Uryu states that he can see hollows and the people they attack, those the Soul Reapers don't handle. He wonders how Ryuken can believe such things, since he must be able to see them too. Uryuu states his wish of becoming a powerful Quincy who can protect those people from hollows so that Ryuken will anno- acknowledge the Quincy. Soken thanks him, and we cut back to the fight for a brief moment, only to be brought back to another flashback. So, at this point in in the, like, flashback stuff, this is, like, more the drama I care about as opposed to, like, just the father stuff. Uh, I do like that Uryuu here as a character is like, no, I want to protect these people it, it makes sense for who he is and I don't know I I care about this more
2: <laughs> I like little kid Ishida he is adorable he just wants to be a strong hero he wants to protect the people that he sees like are in peril and part of like part of his stated goal is hey my dad and grandpa are fighting and I want them to like be friends so I want my yeah. I want to be a strong Quincy so my dad will like be a friend with, with uh, his dad or, my grandfather. I I forget if, uh, I don't think we know who, uh, which side uh, Soken is from. Or, Ryuken is. I, I keep forgetting. Yeah, yeah, honestly, I don't know
0: which side uh, they're from, but you know, I'm sure we'll find out eventually. I'm sure that has no importance. <laughs> Soken requests that Uryu tries to understand Ryuken, noting that one sense of justice comes from what they wish to protect, Uryu jokingly asks if Ryuken wishes to protect his money, and Soken states that Uryu will understand one day, and th- at that time he too will know what he wishes to protect. He hands the box containing the Sanrei glove to Uryu, telling him that he is leaving it with him. So, yeah, I do <laughs> like that little bit where
2: is just like, oh, so he just wants to protect his money. I get it. <laughs> I, I do kind of like that Soken's like, actually kid your dad's right and he's got like some really good reasons to be doing to like be acting the way he is but also i'm not gonna like you learning this is going to like be part of your character development and if i just tell you now you'll just be like yeah but he's stupid so i'll li- i'll let you <laughs> learn about it as you grow up it's fine it's fine this cer- this certainly won't cause an incredible emotional rift between you and your father i'm sure
0: absolutely not <laughs> It's anime! That never happens. Uryu remembers his training to master the glove, as his master's words echo through his mind in another flashback. His grandfather's words describe how to train with the glove, noting that if Uryu can wear the glove and manifest a bow, maintaining it for seven days, he will become infinitely closer to the pinnacle of Quincy power. He warns, however, that after this point, he must never remove the glove as doing so will elevate his ability to collect energy beyond the limits of a Quincy, which will cause Uryu to lose his powers after a brief explosion of enormous power. Man, not removing that glove sucks.
2: (laughs) Well, it's like, basically the glove is like a really heavy set of weights, and once you get used to using it, you'll be really good at fighting. But also, if you take off the weights, uh, you're going to be so good at fighting, you'll destroy your arm if you throw a punch.
0: That's a really good way of describing it. He, he, like, explicitly describes it as a flame you can control, but if you, like, use too much of that flame, you'll burn yourself. And, like, I think that's a really potent way of getting the point across. I I do think it's very silly that he has to wear the glove at all times. Like, it, it makes sense, don't get me wrong. It's just like, God, that would suck. Like, He's God. been wearing <laughs> this glove
2: for, like, two weeks. It is a stinky glove.
0: It is a stinky glove! As the fight with Mayuri continues, Uryu hears these words once more, and mentally notes that his Ranseten guy, which are the uh, like spirit puppet strings, that they can't last forever. He apologizes to Soken and claims not to understand his father's feelings or what he wishes to protect, but he does know what can't be forgiven. He apologizes again and claims that he must disobey his master one more time, breaking one of the pieces off the Sanrei glove and causing it to split down the half as Uryu is surrounded by a column of energy. This is a cool shot. I, I do like this.
2: Like, the, in, the way they... Because in the manga, they just kind of, like, flip back and forth between the, manga, the fighting and the flashback. In the anime, a lot of it is, like... Like, they, they keep going back and forth, but also there's moments where, like, both are on screen at the same time. Or we're getting, like, Soken's words while we're seeing Ishida fight, and... Overall, like, the the scene setting is really well done. Uh, and, like, they make this flashback, like, super interesting. And then when he snaps off the glove, it just, like, like, all the sound goes away. <laughs> and then there's just I the, thought it was cool. Of the glove breaking off. And it's like, oh, damn. <laughs> Shit's getting real now. <laughs>
0: It was kind of weird, because, like, they show it twice. Like, they show it before the commercial break, and then they show it again after the commercial break. And the first time, like, you don't even get the sound of it, like, breaking off the glove. It's just completely silent. And then the second time you get the sound? Which I thought was a little weird, but, like, it was still cool
2: nonetheless. The first time's like, hey, hey, look at this thing. We've been talking about it, now it's happening. And then when it comes back, it's like, oh, it's happening.
0: Uryu now has new armor, a new bow, and a wing of spiritual energy emanates from his right shoulder. Uryu has become the one-winged angel.
2: God. Uh, I do, like, I love that taking off the glove is effectively, like, narratively, it is basically the same thing as Zaraki taking off his eye patch, And we get a very similar, like, explosion of spirit pressure. And, like, they kind of show it in the same manner.
0: Yeah, it, it's cool. Uh, I, I... <laughs> I, I do like I I am trying genuinely to find like really positive points about this episode to like counteract like the negative the negativity we're going to have with where it all lands. But like the way Uryu looks here is sick as hell. Agreed. <laughs> uh with this new armor and everything. Myri is shocked to see the buildings disintegrating into spiritual energy as he explains to the audience that this makes sense because all structures in Soul Society are made of spiritual energy. And this this totally makes sense, right? This
2: totally makes sense. Yeah, like if you had if we didn't have this visual and you told me like, oh yeah, like everything in in Soul Society is made out of like condensed soul energy, and then you put you explained to me that Oh yeah, the like this technique of the Quincy's lets them absorb all the spirit energy that's around them. I would have been oh god. Oh no. What's going to happen to Soul Society? Oh no. So it all makes sense. <laughs> it, it makes sense. It does
0: like I did have to like really work hard to suspend my disbelief here for a second because like thinking on it it's like if if everything in Soul Society, like all these structures are made of spiritual energy, wouldn't that kind of like muffle the ability to sense other people's spiritual energy as like soul reapers like if you were like going and like looking for someone specifically wouldn't it be like kind of hard to get a read if everything is spiritual energy
2: well no it's like it's like the difference between someone talking and like the, you hear the sound of their voice versus like the um the air conditioning hum right like it's, I mean, I guess, it's there yeah. it's just like Super low-key, and you don't really notice it when you're not paying attention. I guess it makes sense. I guess. Buildings make noise all the time. We just completely ignore them until we wake up in the middle of the night at 3am. You're
0: right, but... (laughs) Uryu is absorbing all of the energy from these buildings. Mayuri claims that Uryu is exceeding the limits of power permitted to humans, to which Uryu responds by
2: firing a huge arrow. Like the way he says it can be kind of taken in two ways. One is, I as a soul being, I am literally above you and closer to God, and like what you're doing is like weird, and I don't like that you're stronger than I am. And the other way is just a human being containing this much power is going to kill themselves. Uh, like just like the the human body cannot contain that amount of power that you're pulling from. Um.
0: It is a double-edged way of taking it, and I do like this line, because it has some nuance. Yeah. God, we're, we're, we're getting to the parts I don't like.
2: We're delaying as much as we can.
0: <laughs> we're trying. Uryu threatens Mayuri, telling him to weep for forgiveness and never to appear before him again, stating that he will fire a shot three times more powerful if he refuses. Mayuri tells Uryu that he's getting cocky and unleashes Bankai, Konjiki Ashi. I, I'm gonna make sure I pronounce this right. Konjiki Ashishogi Jizo. I still fucked that up. It's okay. It's it's a complicated name. That's the name of his Bankai, and it takes the form of a giant golden grubby death baby. It <laughs> apparently lets out a fatal poison and looks terrifying, and that's about it. <laughs>
2: Yeah, it is, honestly, like, th- even throughout the Bankais that we're going to get to see, uh, conj- conj- I can't even even get through the easy part of the name. Uh, the Bankai is, like, genuinely one of the most unsettling visuals that Bleach has to offer.
0: Yeah, I... I okay, getting... Staying with the positives for now, uh, one of the cool shots uh, of this is, like, that shot where, it, like... The camera looks down at, like, the shadows at, like, Mayuri's feet, and, like, you see his sword, like, start bubbling into this weird fleshy mass, and it's gross, but it's really cool. (laughs) Like, that's one of the few positives I will say here. I will say, as a Bankai, and as our first time actually seeing a Bankai, like,
2: happen in Bleach, this is really underwhelming. Yeah, well, it doesn't help that it's up against, like, Mr going be uh, far above and beyond like the ac- the physical strength a human should be able to attain in their lifetime over there. Uh but it is also like it's creepy in the sense that it's unsettling but it's also like oh by the way it's got a poison cast that'll kill everyone within 100 a uh, 100 yards. No biggie. Yeah, it No no
0: biggie. Uh it hurdles towards Uduyu and he just <laughs> fires a shot right through it and blows the giant death baby in half. And as the dust clears, we see Mayuri standing with just a massive hole in him. It, I, I won't describe the entire scene, but know that Mayuri does not look like he's okay.
2: Yeah, I I'll, I really like how little effort Ishida like throughout. Once he takes off the glove, every arrow that he ta- that he pulls is just like. Sometimes he does it with his middle finger, and it's just, like, this really, like, subdued... Oh, yeah, I'm just pulling back and letting go and pulling back and letting go. Like, it, it doesn't look like it's taking him any effort to fire these shots.
0: I, I like that, too. It's a, it is a nice detail. At this point, we do get a shot I don't, like, really want to recount. Um, I will just say that Myri does a thing... Uh, that causes him to cough up blood, and he bursts into a green liquid that he describes as a last resort. It's an escapability, and he can't really be hurt in this form, but he also can't change back for a few days. Mayuri seeps through the walls and escapes, claiming that the outcome of Uri's death will not change.
2: Yeah, Mayuri's basically a D&D vampire. Uh, he has been defeated, <laughs> it will take him several days to reconstitute himself, uh in the meantime he's just going to be this amorphous presence and he's going off and he's like you can attack me but it doesn't matter i'm basically invincible i can't do anything so i'm just gonna go back to my lab Joe. peace uriyu coughs up some
0: blood noting that the poison is working its way through him while Nemu, still immobile on the ground reveals that she has the antidote uriyu helps her to sit up and pulls the flask from her he offers it to her first, but she states that the toxin doesn't affect her because her body is made of the same stu- the same substance as Myuri's body. She does, however, offer to drink it to prove that it's not poison, but Uri is like, eh, don't worry about it. Like, I'm already fatally poisoned. If it's poison, it's fine. It's, it, I, I doubt you'd need to do that. He he drinks it, and Nemu thanks him for not killing Mayuri, as he would have died had Uri aimed for the egg if Uryu had aimed for the head. Uryu's like, okay, but I was actually going to kill him, though. And Nemo's like, but you didn't, so thank you. The antidote is my token of appreciation. Uryu gets up to walk away, stating that he doesn't understand how she could care for Mayuri, and Nemo says, I don't get it either, but I have the feeling it's because I'm a woman written by Kubo.
2: (laughs) God. So to get to get my the the humorous part out of the way, I wonder how many vice captains are carrying a hip flask under their emblems. Uh, Cuz cause, cause that's just a full-on flask like it, it really is. Uh, uh and then we like it really sucks that she's like you know, I didn't think I had feelings, but apparently I have feelings of gratitude for my father figure and I'm like, no, that's gross. I'll like the, the he spent most of the last episode like physically abusing you and being total shit and I really hate that. Like she is apparently in the pro- essentially in the process of like gaining a real sapience and personhood and it sucks that the way that she's realizing this is I do feel tenderness towards my father figure it really sucks it's really bad i
0: when i saw this part we we are really like getting in the big 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 negatives of this episode and i think we're going to probably go ahead and discuss this a bit uh i don't know how long but we're we're gonna talk about it um i and at at this point for both of you i want to say like if we need to slow down here and just, like, take a second to talk it out, like, I'm okay doing so. I want to make sure we get this right. I want to make sure we zero in on why this doesn't work. <laughs> Though it's pretty obvious, frankly. It's really disgusting to me that, like, the only... I know you basically said this way, way quicker than I, I'm i going to, but... It's really disgusting that the very first sense of Nemu being a person we get in the show... Is her being like, ah, oh, that guy who was, like, really just being the worst to me actively last episode? Yeah, I care about him. I, I, I'm I, happy you didn't kill my abuser. That makes sense. And it, it does not make any sense for her to act this way. We, we haven't seen her as a person at all to this point. And for the very first time, we actually get anything from her to be this. It it feels gross. It it really feels like... It, it really adds to the feeling that Kubo was writing this subplot as a way to get shock value and make you hate Mayuri as a character more. And, like, to that extent, it works as a way of making you hate Mayuri, but it also comes at the cost of completely dehumanizing this other character. And I, I think, as, as a subplot, about abuse i think that's a real failing
2: like there is a good arc and story hidden in here of like Nemu being created as a character without emotions like to be an assistant and over time like basically growing past what uh what she was made to do like there is like a really interesting story but to have her first like brush with emotions that she doesn't understand be oh, I'm really glad you didn't kill him, is like, it really sucks. Uh, and it's like, it's you can have a story where the uh, abused character has feelings for their abuser. Like, that's a thing that happens all the time. But mixing it in with, like, Nemo's dehumanization is, like it, like, it doesn't work for me. It really doesn't work for me. Like, these should be separate things... And ideally, one of these things shouldn't even be in the story. I, I think part of why it doesn't work for either of us and
0: also for Lynn, I would assume, uh, is it, it I don't think this goes anywhere, and that, that's not like to be clear, I don't remember if there's more on this ever in the future. but like, as a series thus far, Bleach has had a lot of, here's this bad thing that we're not going to actually comment on. It's just going to be a bad thing, and you're going to form your own opinions on it, and we're not going to talk about it, and we're just going to keep moving on and getting to the fights, because that's what we care about. But it, with a story like this, it, it's something you have to handle with a, a touch of nuance, and this just doesn't do that. It, it you you were shown that like this is an abuse story and it it's simply like it really is just to make you not like the villain that's that's it and i don't think it ever gets touched upon again and if it does i don't think there's going to be like any actual commentary on that i don't think there's going to be you know an actual point where hey, maybe we should look into this and maybe we should actually talk about who Nemo is as a person and maybe we should actually figure out and unpack this whole situation because, like, we get, like, very, very sparse details about it. And when we get those sparse details, it's like, I would like to know more, like, I don't want to see more of my area on screen, but I'd like to know more about what's going on here so I can at least unpack this situation and get, like, some sense of closure on
2: it but we don't get that. It's just there, and then it's gone. Yeah, like, Lin makes a really good point, which is one of the main issues, is that this isn't a st- like, it's not a story about the abuse that Nemu goes through. It's a story about Mairi's a shithead, and his abuse of Nemu is just a facet of that, and that's kind of it, and it's it doesn't really get interrogated, and I kind of don't think it ever will. I don't think it ever will either, and that
0: really I don't think we need to go too much further into it. It's just God, it it sucks. It's really bad. It I I will openly go ahead and say I think like this fight, like these two episodes, might be the worst the show has been thus far. And that's including like the gross cone stuff we had at the beginning. That's you know including the other bad stuff we've had throughout Season 2, which thankfully was fewer and more far between. I just... I genuinely think, like, Kubo really, really, really dropped the ball this time. And it shows. Ugh. Moving on. Uriyu thanks Nemu for the antidote and then leaves, nearing Sen's IQ sometime later. As he limps up the steps, he observes how heavy his legs are and realizes that he can no longer move his arms. Part of his bandage, along with some Ronso guy strings, float off and disintegrate, and then Udu leans against a wall, stating that his time as a Quincy is coming to an end. He continues walking, assuring himself that Orihime is fine, and wondering about the other Ryoka, concluding that he must believe them to all be alive. He's like, Dang, if I'm the first one here, it'd really piss off Ichigo if I saved Rukia by myself. He smiles and reaches the top of the steps, only to see Ninth Division Captain Kaname Tozen, who declares that he must eliminate Uryu for the sake of their peace. He releases his Shikai, which emanates a high-pitched chime, inverting the color of the area, and ending the episode.
2: This, like, the, the, the whole, like, marathon walk, because we don't, we don't see Uryu like walking up the steps as much as we see him struggling to move at all, and then we see a trail of blood go up the steps. Like he's here with like just this in cut this huge script of death flags that he's reading one after another. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and, and it's just like this heartbreaking moment where you're just like, "You should know." cuz he's like, "Oh, I guess that's the end of it for me. It's the end of my of my Quincy powers." Boy, and then he almost he essentially he does like the narrative equivalent of imagining heaven where he's like, "Boy, it would be really good if I was the first one up there. I bet everyone else is up there. It'll be great." <laughs> almost there. <laughs> And I'm like, I'm really enjoying this moment, it's really cool, but also, Ishida, please, you, you can only read off so many Death Flags from your script before one of them takes effect.
0: <laughs> I I do like this sh- this really last part here with Tosen, where it's just like, you think maybe for a second Ishida's gonna get some rest, you think maybe Uriu's gonna get a second to actually, like take a chill pill, and then Tosin's just here and he's like, hey, by the way, I'm here too. Sorry, bud. <laughs> it, it sucks. It's, it's, like, good, but it sucks.
2: <laughs> poor poor you." Yeah, but, like, it sucks in the way that's, like, I love this and this is what I like about Bleach. <laughs> kind of sucks. Yeah. Like, it, it's a good suck. It's a good suck.
0: <laughs> God. Uh, well, we made it through this one. I do think... I I do think the next episode is better. I will say that. Like I do think I have more positive to say about next episode than I did for this one. Ugh, this Maiori fight has been a
2: lot. The has uh, been a lot. So the one thing that's re- that's really good from the manga is we get the um we get their uh, translation for Ranso Tengai, which they they mark as disheveled paradise puppet. <laughs> Which is a fantastic okay. and horrifying name for the ability.
0: I love it. Also, that's really funny.
2: <laughs> and uh, there's there's like a sequence of um of like one shot panels with uh, Khan in Ichigo's body. Like just like this ongoing thing throughout the chapters. Most of them it's just like, you know, Khan gets annoyed at the at the Ichigo at the Kurosaki family and then gets roped into a soccer match because someone offers to give him uh, a titty magazine, more or less. But Oh jeez. The first uh well it's like a swimsuit issue or something. But the first one is really good because it's like August 8th, Cloudy. I took Ichigo's place when he went through when he went to Soul Society. I thought his family would be overjoyed to see him. Sister A had a guilty look on her face. Sister B seemed totally uninterested. Father A was obviously annoyed. Because all three of them are standing around a watermelon cut into three. What the heck is this? Are they upset about having to split the watermelon four ways? <laughs> and I love oh, just that... got to point out
0: Father A, gay rights.
2: I just really love that. Also, Ichin in this in this uh, picture is wearing a pic- uh, he's wearing a tank top that's like that says "Summer of Food."
0: <laughs>
2: oh, I love that. And he's that's just, very good. He's like upset that Ichigo came back from his mysterious vacation because <laughs> he's like, no, I'll get less watermelon. <laughs> God,
0: the I, these end among like end of chapter gags have been really doing it for me lately. Mostly, mostly there have been some like bits of me, like, ah, but like the these are giving me life through the darkness we are currently going through.
2: Yeah, like it's it they they've been like a real um like lighthearted like the uplifting my heart needs as I'm going through these chapters in the manga, and I'm just like. Oh god. Because <laughs> Mayuri's just- he's worse in the manga. He's hes just worse. Uh, because you can't put that shit in anime. Uh, it's really annoying.
0: Uh, it's bad. It's bad. He, he is slime now. We don't need to talk about him anymore. He's slime. If, if, I'm, not, I'm gonna go ahead and give the tentative, if Myori returns, I hope he stays slime forever. <laughs>
2: yeah, we're done with this episode. Let's just move on to a five minute break. Yeah, let's let's get a 5 minute break. Do we have to? Do we have to? Right, so let's get back in it with episode 45 Overcome your limits. I don't wanna. Uh, The episode basically just starts with Shida in no state to fight, and when Captain of the Ninth Division, Tosin, unleashes his blade, it puts him to sleep immediately. And I like what this says about uh, Tosin, because Tosin has been going on and on and on about how much he doesn't like fighting, and we see that his ability... Like, we aren't exactly sure if... Uh, it did something to Ishida and because Ishida is already so exhausted from his previous fight he got knocked out or if the blade itself's ability is the thing that put him to sleep but either way Tosun man- Tosin takes out people without actually killing them or hurting them in any way it seems like so that's pretty cool to go yep. with his uh, his earlier like god I hate fighting I hate fighting so much
0: it, it, his Shikai looks cool. It, it does a cool effect. I, I'm not entirely sure what it did. Like, I I think I remember what it does,
2: but, like, uh, I mean, it's cool. Yeah. Elsewhere, Yoroichi is reiterating that the normal time that most people take to attain Bankai is, like, 10 years or so? Uh, versus, hey, Ichigo, you have three days, and that's it. <laughs> You're fucked, kid. And she pulls. <laughs> she pulls out, like, a life it's like a person sized doll. Not doll as in like actually human shape, but it's like it almost looks like a um, shooting target. A nobody from Heartless? No. A nobody from Kingdom Hearts. No, it I looks refuse. like a nobody. It does not. It look it looks like a shooting range target, is what it looks like.
0: <laughs> it totally looks like a nobody. No. Lin Wow, okay. Okay. I trusted you, Lynn. <laughs>
2: There, the the council has voted. It does not look like a nobody. I begrudgingly just leave. <laughs> I'm 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 gone. It's a Sam podcast now. Effectively, uh, a shikai requires talking to and collaborating in harmony with the sword, versus this fucked up explanation where Bankai requires the zanpakuto to materialize into the world and then like be beaten into submission. <laughs> <laughs> it's like no, no, I don't like this. I don't like
0: it either. Sh- should we go ahead and like bring the conversation right to the beginning, like the forefront here? I I forget. Does this come up? I mean, like they fight throughout the episode. Should we just like go ahead and
2: talk about why we don't like this? <laughs> uh, just wait a bit. I'll I'll get to where okay. we'll get to where the fight starts, and then we can get into it. Okay. Yuroichi's explanation just goes on like it normally takes years to hit the materialization level But Ichigo probably hit that level during the Zoraki fight So the doll is going to force Zangetsu out into the world like force materialize him and then they can work on the second requirement defeating him in a contest of strength <laughs> So Yoroichi starts explaining oh, yeah The dolls limit is three days and there's consequences and if you fail and Ichigo's like I, I don't care like we, like doesn't matter what the consequences are i'm not gonna fail so he just stabs the doll immediately and it literally ma- doesn't even let her finish the sentence and it makes a sword explode and zangetsu appears in the in the world uh where yoroichi greets him and basically says yo substitute teacher do you have your curriculum and he says yeah sure i got it it's cool <laughs> And he summons a bunch of swords everywhere, telling Ichigo the only way to beat him is to find the real Zangetsu in all of the swords before Zangetsu kills him. Yeah,
0: it's a lot. It's a lot. I'll give
2: it that. Yeah, so, like, I do want to say, this, it definitely cheapens the whole, like, yo, like, four episodes ago, we had a whole revelation where you were like... I need to trust Zangetsu and treat him as a friend and like to really bond with him and be a pair, and that's gonna tr- draw out our true power. So I can see where coming into this episode where Yoroichi's like, you have to beat him into submission. Yep. <laughs> like, it really like hit like hits the wrong way after we've just had that like really cool. And those and like it doesn't help that those were really good episodes that all of us really enjoyed. Yeah. So,
0: um, I think overall, my my problem with it is, like, we do get the revelation that, hey, you and Zongetsu should probably be, I don't know, comrades in arms, you should be working together, and then just immediately turning around on that,
2: it's like, um, C- Cabo? Y- you sure about that one? Yeah, y- like You sure? We could have had at least, like... I don't know, two or three fights with Ichigo between, like, these two revelations. It's kind of, like, it's really weird to have it be literally his next conflict. Um, I do want to say that there are, there's a lot of mid-2000s anime series that had this, a similar concept to this, including Shaman King and Zatch Bell, uh, both of which also had a whole, like, you can't treat your weapon as a, you can't treat, like, your weapon and friend as a tool, you have to work with them, they have to be your comrade, etc., etc., but in that case, the way that it was presented as, it wasn't you need to do this to get the maximum power from your, um, from your tool or your weapon. It was they need to see that they can trust you to do what's best so that they'll be comfortable giving you 100% control over their power. Like that, like it, it it was always presented as an issue of trust or an issue of like, hey, I'm putting like the ultimate level of trust. I'm letting you do everything that I'm letting you do everything with my power. I'm going to be completely hands off. So that's why it works in those series. And in Bleach, it doesn't work at all. <laughs> it doesn't work at all. It,
0: it's, it, it's something because... I, I, w- I was about to say, I, I wish it were more framed that way, like, before you even brought up those series. I'm just like, I wish it were more of, like, maybe, like, having them duel so that it's like, oh, maybe Zangetsu will come to understand that Ichigo is actually, like, skilled and can understand how to use him effectively. Like, that would have been interesting, or, like, anything, but Yoramichi literally says you have to beat him into submission. And it's like, mm, that kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth, given literally what we got like just a few weeks ago.
2: And like while she talks about the materialization stage, we get some flashbacks to um, Zapimaru talking to Renji, uh, which I kind of view as being this, this version of, hey, I can materialize and also you have a goal that I want, which is to fight Zangetsu again. So I'm just going to let you yeah. do, like, the thing. Uh, but yeah, so it's like this... Already, the premise of this episode is kind of like, uh okay. I, like, I get the fact that Zangetsu shows up and summons a billion swords, and he's like, you have to find... Remember your first test where you had to fight... You have to find, like, the real sword? Uh, well, this is the same thing again, but also slightly more combat-oriented? Uh, so I, yeah. I think part of it is, this is maybe just Zangetsu's deal? <laughs>
0: It, it's like
2: visually I'd say
0: it's cool. Uh, and I, I I like the I do like the concept of you have to find the real me. I, I just also don't think this like does anything special <laughs> if that makes sense. I, I it just feels like another fight. <laughs>
2: yeah i did like i did just stumble onto an idea and i think what if zangetsu is the only one that really works this way and he's just the one that's always like incredibly contrarian with ichigo over at the fourth division barracks we get a we get the monologue from iamura that i mentioned from the um from the end of chapter gags i didn't realize that this was actually going to show up at the anime but here it is i was really glad when i saw it actually (laughs) iamora is here he's the high rank he's a high ranker in the fourth division and he's reading angrily in his diary about division 11 and the ryoka and the captains that he doesn't like <laughs> and then a nurse comes in and she's like um excuse me we have a third ryoka to admit and also oh my god stop like reading everyone to filth you're doing it out loud and everyone in the room can hear you
0: I love I did genuinely love this gag um I I thought it was very funny that she like patiently waited for him to like be done with his like page before in like interrupting him she she like waits and then she's like um excuse me uh you you've been thinking out loud and he just like
2: is like what well, yeah, she, wa- she wanted to know if he was going to, like, mention her or something. Uh, yeah, this is very good. She's like, I'm collecting some really good gossip. Tonight's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> and meanwhile, the funkies from Division 13 are pleading with the Division 4 captain uh, due to... Uh, like, they're saying... Due to being subjugated in both body and mind, the one true hero of our time and hearts shouldn't be punished too severely. Unohana takes it into consideration, but says that Hanataro's actions have caused a ton of grief. Like, Hanataro has caused some problems. Like, some real problems. And we learn that he's the seventh seat of Division IV. He's taken away by his vice-captain after basically being told, like, you're still in trouble. Like, I'm gonna take the 13th captain's words into consideration but also holy shit you're in trouble and when i saw Centaro and Keione here for a second my
0: like heart stopped because i'm like oh god i i already deal i already dealt with this other episode please don't make me deal with them too much more <laughs> and thankfully they're like barely on screen
2: they're just there to remind us that hanataro is great and wonderful and should be protected at all costs agreed uh, I do like the scene like where cuz Hanatar was taken is basically walked off by his vice captain and he wonders like he's he's not repentant in any way shape or form he just wonders like if he's caused more problems for Rukia by helping the escape attempt than if he had like just left it alone and his yeah. his vice captain's like you know what like I don't agree with what you did but good on you for like having convictions and acting on them that's actually kind of cool
0: Yeah no um I I do. Uh, I I really do like Isane. I believe that's her name, Isane. Um, I I first of all really like her design. Uh, I've always liked her design. Um, but I don't know. I I, I really liked this this small quiet moment. That I I really think like. All of the big positive moments of this episode are the smaller, quieter moments, and all of the fight stuff just did not work for me.
2: Yeah. Uh, we then cut to a quick flash of Renji in the cell, thinking about his history with Rukia, how she looked in the cell, and then like his memories kind of stop on a flash of Byakuya, and immediately the cell explodes. He grabs his sword <laughs> and he exits with a very determined look on his eye. And I'm like, oh, Damn. Hell yeah, Renji. I'm not entirely certain what you're doing, but hell yeah, out there being a hero. Uh,
0: quick question. Quick, quick, quick question.
2: Did they just leave Zabimaru in his cell with him? Uh, yes, because uh, Renji was, like, Renji was in jail because he fought for them, but he did it alone. He didn't have, like, he he wasn't being treated as a traitor, he was just being treated as a soldier who did a a stupid decision and also his sword they had him handcuffed though <laughs> yeah but also like the sword itself is like the sword is part of their soul and also the sword was completely busted up so like we because we could see it like in pieces on a table so I yeah I have a feeling that the part of the surgery was actually fixing the sword I guess that makes sense
0: it's just, it's just very silly to me that they're like ah oh, yes let's just leave him in his cell with his weapon <laughs> that's a good idea
2: yeah. Although, granted, I think they're probably under the, uh, they're probably like, "Hey, you're you're in timeout. Please don't do anything." Like they're not expecting him to like explode the cell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Besides, we've we've seen that the Shinigami are able to like do energy blasts. So,
0: Lintlin's <laughs> like, "What was he gonna do? Break the rules again?" <laughs> what are the odds? goodness uh,
2: a quick a quick note on uh like patent, uh, actually no i'll never mind i'll just do that in the in the manga pit in another okay. o- in another cell we see that kira is not taking his actions of defending gin against hinamori lightly he hyperventilates at the mere thought and he basically like he he seems like he's getting a panic attack when the lights turn on and someone's like coming to see him uh his cell is all scratched up everywhere and then his captain, when his captain asks if he wants help, because the person visiting him is Gin, uh, he looks like he's hanging on by a thread. Like, Kira looks like he's going to snap at any moment. Like, he lo- like I want to give him a vacation and some hot cocoa. He looks genuinely terrified, and frankly, I would be too. Uh, we cut to Ichigo getting thrown across the, s- the field, you- and... There's just, like, a re... I, di- I didn't enjoy this bit, because Yoroichi and Zangetsu are both, like, drill sergeanting him. Like, he is on the ground, he's spitting up blood, and both of them are like, get up, we don't have time for this, come on, let's go. Like, you have to hurry up and get on with your training. Zangetsu even goes, like... "It. You know, it's fine if he doesn't get up, I'll drag him up so he and, like, force him to fight. It's fine. And I'm like, buddy, whoa. It, it
0: just really further, like... It, it, it further steps on, like, all the things we liked about what happened, like, a few weeks ago in the Kenpachi fight. It's just, like, okay, so we're not even going to pretend this is a way to, like, get them to work together better. It's really just, ah, uh, Ichigo must win battle. Woo-hoo.
2: I will say that this does fit, like, thematically with um, Yoroichi, because, like, we know that Yoroichi was the captain of a division previously. Uh, yeah. So we know that she was like part of a military structure. We know that she's friends with Urahara, and this is basically the same way that Urahara was doing his training. So like it, it makes sense, but I really don't like it. <laughs> like it is. Yeah, that's where it's I'm at con- too. It's consistent, rather. Like it is very consistent with the way that we know that the people who associate with her have also trained Ichigo. Um, but also like, don't like this. <laughs> don't like this. <laughs> over at the 11th squad barracks because we're just kind of like flipping through all the barracks at this point uh maki norihime got picked up by yachiru who mostly did it out of pure curiosity she's like oh that's a ryoka i can sense it (laughs) and she just like (laughs) brings them to the uh to the 11th squad barracks and we basically just have a scene of everyone like of Everyone that we know of Squad of a uh, Division Eleven, like sitting around Orihime, and they're like, "So, what do you think uh, Ichigo's gonna do?" I think, <laughs> think he's uh, think he's good. We really want to fight him. <laughs> and she's just like, "Well." i guess he's fine No, you know what i'm i'm sure she's fine and then zaraki is just like oh yeah he's absolutely fine i bet he's getting stronger right now i really want to find him again that was that was fun that was the funnest thing i've had in centuries i'm gonna (laughs) you know what i'm gonna help you i don't even care what your goal is i'm gonna help you because i bet i bet if i stay close to you i'm gonna get to see ichigo again <laughs> and she's just like, oh okay. And then the rest of Division 11's like, fuck yeah, our captain's the best. Whatever he says goes. <laughs> Get, I, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Squad 11, best squad. <laughs> best squad. Zoraki squad, best squad. <laughs> we go back to the 4th Division Barracks where Ishida wakes up in jail, surprised that he's alive. And then he f- immediately freaks out because there's a mummy hanging down up- upside down above him. But it's just Ganju who's bandaged head to toe. Ishida asks why they would bother treating their injuries, and Chad answers him since he's forever and always the surprisingly best at information gathering of the group. Uh, he basically says, oh yeah, I heard the guards talking about a captain getting assassinated and we're the prime suspects in the investigation. Ganju notes that their shackles block and suppress powers, and Ishida thinks for a moment that his powers are probably gone regardless. But Ganju also makes a a great point. If we're the only ones in the cell, and we're not hearing anything about the other ones, then that means that the others are probably not captured. Chad Chad goes out of his way to make a point that Urihime is not suited for combat, and I wish the phrasing was different, because... I feel like what he would say is more, Orihime wouldn't pick a fight. She's smart about avoiding them. And then he says, Well, and it's like, this, like, because the way he says it is, Orihime isn't suited for combat, so we have to wait for Chigo to come save us. And I'm like, God.
0: It's literally, like, he brings up Orihime and he goes, Orihime, who isn't suited for combat. And then he just continues talking. It's like, Dude!
2: Like, there, I could see him being like Orihime, who isn't like prone to combat. Like, she wouldn't jump into a fight. (laughs) Like, uh, and then I'm also like, hey, isn't part of Chad's entire backstory how he was a pacifist and didn't like fighting?
0: (laughs) Right? (laughs) Like, it it, feels so fucking out of character.
2: It's frustrating. It's really frustrating that they're just like sitting there and being like, uh, Hime is not suited for combat. We get it, Sho. Donju
0: and Uri are both like, oh yeah, that sounds right.
2: Like, we get it, Bleach. You're never going to let Hime have a fight. I get it. Fine. I hate you. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, Chad, Chad finishes up by saying that he's going to wait for Ichigo and that the best thing that they can do in the meantime is just, you know, wait, heal, make sure they don't get hurt more, and trust in their friends to free them. Over in the underground arena... Ichigo breaks his 18th blade, eventually grabbing one that looks like his usual sword, but it shatters like glass immediately. And Zangetsu explains that every sword is a fragment of Ichigo's heart. And there's the one that he's looking for is like the fragment of his heart that was entirely shaped just fight. Uh, but then he says, the one shaped like his usual sword for example, was Ichigo's heart's frailty for depending on Zangetsu, and that makes no goddamn sense, since the entirety of Ichigo's training thus far has amounted to trust Zangetsu and fight with him and let him support you, and this episode gives me a headache. It is literally it's literally
0: completely backtracking on what we were told a few episodes ago and that really sucks.
2: Like, it's so frustrating because it's just like you you're literally the one that was like don't see me as a tool. You're like ask me for my power.
0: <laughs> Wait, no, I have thought about it more, please see me as a tool. Please use me just to fight. Like, oh, uh, no. No. I I'd, I'd rather not actually. I'm I'm going back to a
2: pure shikai fighting style. <laughs> yeah, Ichigo basically just looks at the sword. He's like, "Ah, these are all my weaknesses," you say. And then he grabs another to keep fighting before we close the episode with a really quick, like, two-second shot of Momo, still alone in her cell, putting away Eisen's will and looking with determined eyes. I'm gonna say, I think this is, like, literally the most nothing ending of an
0: episode this could have been. Like, usually, usually with the, like, to-be-continued screens, I'm like, ah, well, I'm interested in seeing how that resolves
2: next week. This week is just, ah, oh, here's the shot of Momo, and it's over. <laughs> like, we just saw Renji... Like, we the, the thing with the Momo shot is that it would be more, like, interesting, or it would be more like, oh, something's gonna happen. If we hadn't also seen two other people, like, have some... in jail, do something. Like, we saw Renji break out of his cell, and we see Kira being approached by Gin in his cell right it's literally the most nothing of the three shots and it's like like part of this is that the the we're getting all three of them because we're getting a story next week of like we're getting another one of their flashbacks that that is all three of them at the academy right so it's like it's 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 doing the parallel between them but it is kind of like renji ready to fight kira like Absolutely high, strong, and at his limit, and like reaching out for someone to help him. Momo, putting the will in her pocket and sitting back straight.
0: (laughs) I almost just like the end of that being Momo. (laughs) That's that's what it is. It is that is what it is. Uh, Lynn brings up a really good point here, which is Momo closing the loop on female characters doing nothing. And that's really it. Like, that really cements the point of why I really felt so negative on these two episodes, is because it, it's just really, really further cementing the fact that we're not going to get to see these female characters, like,
2: actually do things. They don't do anything. I will make a mention it, of, like... Hey, Chad, Odahime not suited for combat? Who's in jail, Chad? Who's the one that's not in jail, Chad? <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, God. Yoruichi doesn't... E- y- Lin brings it right here. Yoruichi doesn't even end up actually training Ichigo. She gets a
2: substitute teacher. All right. So before <laughs> before we we wallow in these this thing that we all really hate about Bleach and I don't see stopping soon uh because we could go on for a while. I'm just going to go oh, through the uh, the manga notes. So a couple of things, we get a mention in the manga that like Yoruichi's is, ba- is powering the doll. Like she's using her own she's using her power to power up the doll and like materialize on Getsu essentially. Um that's something I guess we see that, uh, oh, right, uh, (laughs) remember when I was like, hey, Chad could have, maybe it's a translation thing, maybe Chad actually meant this with, uh, with, uh, Orihime, and it's like, no, the manga, the manga version says Orihime, with her lack of combat skills, has probably been captured. (laughs) Goddamn, Chad.
0: I'm, I'm actually very, very tempted to, like, boot up the like dub of the episode and see if they change the line there and i might do that after we're done recording god it's
2: a good idea um here is the bit where i want to mention a content warning for uh just discussion of uh depiction of self-harm in media um because in the manga when we see that when we see kira's cell we see that he's broken the chair that is in the room and the implication appears to be that he is using the splinters of it to scratch at the walls and potentially engage in self-harm. Like there's, uh, we see a bunch of sound effects when, and when we don't see Kira on screen and we also see a lot of blood splatters on the floor of the cell. Uh, so, and when, like when Gin comes into the room, uh, Kira is like, like, essentially hiding in the corner, like h- curled up in a ball. And Gin says, Wow, this is rough. I have a hard time looking at this. You look tired. You poor thing. Would you like my help? Come with me, Izuru. Uh yeah, so it's like it's a big heavy moment, but also like like I like I like the moment as presented. Um and I think it like really um it it's effective at putting us in like the the mindscape that Izuru seems to be going through, but it's also like it's heavy shit. So, I yeah. recommend anyone um anyone sensitive to those topics probably shouldn't be looking up these manga chapters.
0: But yeah, also- the scene itself is is interesting. I, I I will go ahead and say that. Like, I I think overall like that scene is terrifying, and it it at le uh, it at least sounds like in the manga it's it it's more presented as Gin maybe a little less sinister is am, am I reading that right?
2: uh no Gin is definitely sinister I will I will right. share you that yep. image Gin is terrifying. the most terrifying motherfucker he's ever been in the series okay cool <laughs> never mind then. Uh, but yeah like he doesn't like because he he comes in being more like oh you look tired you poor thing do you want my help and but like when he's asking hey would you like my help it is that same shot as the anime where he's like okay. he's really close to the screen and he's grinning and you're like this person this person is someone who is up to no good cue that Harrison Ford like meme of evil evil <laughs> Kira baby Gin evil evil <laughs> God, but yeah. So I think the the manga like impre- basically impresses more that like the like G- uh, Kira is not in a good uh, like he's not in a good headspace, and Gin is clear. Like I think the the intent here is very much that Gin is like preying on that headspace. Like he's like, I'm gonna help you. I'm your captain. It's great. Come come with me. Come help me do the thing that I need to that I need to do. Um, don't worry. I'll keep you safe. And it's like, oh, oh, good. <laughs> Glad to have great. this happen in the same episodes as the Meyer stuff. Yay, great. Uh, I do think this is like dealt with with more nuance as uh, slash is given more like consequences in the story uh, wherever this goes compared to all the Meyer stuff.
0: I I think the thing is we we've also had like a bit more build up on like. Gein as a character uh like we've had a bit more build up in the sense of we already know him to be pretty creepy and sinister and we've seen him doing a lot of stuff in the shadows so this feels like in character at least like I'm not saying like the Myori stuff is out of character it's just like yeah Lin Lin puts it better than I am it's more intrigue than just
2: outright being shitty yeah um so that's all I have to say about these episodes. Uh, that, that's all I
0: have as well. I, I'm just going to say, like, stay safe. I don't know, like, what to expect for, like, content warnings, like, upcoming. It, it definitely seems like Bleach is taking a darker turn for right now. Um, And, uh, just, just stay safe. Like, for real. We're, well, we will continue to, you know, bring content warnings like if necessary, like for the future episodes. Uh, if we, you know, if we beef something, because like there, there is likely going to be a lot of a lot of different topics covered here that probably won't be handled with the most nuance in in terms of bleach. Uh like, if we beef something, please let us know, and we will, you know, do our best to, like, remedy the situation, and we, we want to make sure we cover these topics, like, in a way that we, like, engage with it and can talk about it, but I want to make sure we, like, engage and talk about it, like, in a responsible manner, if that makes sense. So... Yeah, um, I, I guess this is the part where I go ahead and say thank you for listening to It'll Wash Out, a Bleach Rewatch podcast. You can find us on Twitter at BleachCast, and you can email us at IWOBleachCast at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Lavender underscore Paws. You can also find me now streaming Assassin's Creed with my wife uh, every Tuesday and Thursday on Twitch.tv slash Lavender pause.
2: And you can find me on Twitter at ssbslj.
0: You can find me at lowtunders.colleke on Instagram.
2: And that about does it for us this week. Uh, Stay safe. Stay cool chads. Commitment is a strong word. Uh, uh, Only engage as much as you can take it. Stay safe and healthy, both physically and mentally. Peace.
1: Yeah. Happy people in the house. Yeah. Oh. Happy people. Happy people. Well, happy people. Happy people. Here we go. Everybody stand up. Minata tender. then we keep your head bright to the sky do just come anytime